Blog Talk Radio. And tonight we present the modern yoga ritual version of the chemical wedding of Christian Rosencruz. And this is the fully developed Rosicrucian version of Hermetic Yoga Beyond the Middle Pillar, as presented in Volume 1 of Hermetic Yoga Beyond the Middle Pillar. And in this advanced version, which draws upon the Nicene document, the Gospel of Philip, the Gospel of Mary, the chemical wedding itself, and the works of Jacob Borm and Johann Gickel, this reveals that the ninth degree of the OTO and the great rite of the Gardnerians are both derived from original Valentinian Gnostic Christian sources. So, if you want to experience some R-rated Rosicrucian yoga, tune in, and we'll take you into the mirror chamber of the sacred marriage. Rosicrucian yoga is based on several sources. The chemical wedding, the gospel of Mary, and the gospel of Philip from the Nagamadi, the early Christian allegory of Joseph and Asenath, and the later works of Jacob Borm and Johann Gichtel, Mapping the Planets Within. Now, this Crucian Yoga is an advanced and perfected version of Hermetic Yoga. It follows the mythological succession of the ancient Nessaean document, which traces the evolution of the dying gods and their resurrecting goddesses from the earliest examples, such as Isis and Osiris, Baal and Astarte, Adonis and Venus, to their eventual manifestation in Jesus and Mary Magdalene. This is the yoga of redemption, purification, transformation, and regeneration. It is the yoga of the Hieros Gamos, the sacred marriage, which was the passion in original Valentinian Gnostic Christianity. It is the yoga of the reunification of the soul. It is the yoga of immortality. The yoga is based on the doctrine of the dual and universal nature of the soul, both male and female, existing in all of us 
who have the insight to discover it. The dual soul is not fully united and complete until the consummation of marriage, which will in turn create its progeny, both spiritual and physical. Now, this yoga celebrates the supreme mystery of Christianity, wherein the devotee, in this case the practitioner, rises to Kether, merges his consciousness with the Christos, descends to Malkuth, where the bridegroom, uh, as the bridegroom, and he then ascends the spears to Netzach, where his goddess bride, Lady Mary, awaits him. Together they ascend to Tipereth. Emmanuel replaces Baal, and Lady Mary banishes Moat. Together they consummate their marriage, either internally in a soul practice or externally in tandem practice to create an astral or even a physical magical child dedicated to accomplish their desired purpose. Now, it should be obvious to occult students that this ancient magical Gnostic Christian marriage rite is the actual source for the OTO's ninth degree and the Gardnerian's great rite. Now, our reading of the Gospel of Philip the Monogamati, will quickly confirm this. In this Valentinian Christian gospel, the bride and bridegroom consummate their reunion in a mirrored chamber in the presence of the angels. Now, this knowledge was suppressed when the Roman church rejected all association with Gnosticism. We now know that Early Christianity, especially that of St. Valentine, was Gnostic, and that the Mary of Mary and Jesus was his wife, not his mother. This completes the evolution of the ancient pagan gods and goddesses as set forth in the Nicene document and carried on into the medieval tradition of the Holy Grail. It should also form a healing bridge between the antagonistic factions of biblical and neo-pagan esoteric schools, especially when we realize that the Valentinian Gnostic Christianity was a perfectly gender-balanced version of the Christian religion with a priest and a priestess serving a congregation where men and women were equally respected and empowered. Now, we have already established that Jesus was the grandson of Herod the Great. He really was the hereditary king of the Jews. But being raised in Galilee and married to a Galilean, he and his wife Mary were both Aloists and hoped to restore the original religion of Melchizedek and Solomon, thus finally uniting Judea and Israel under the Elohim of Genesis. For this attempt, and for personal jealousy, his own family bribed the Romans to have him crucified, and later 
the Roman Christian Church rejected the central teachings of his reformed religion and transformed his female consort into a virgin mother, thus perpetuating the biblical Jehovah's suppression of female equality in society and in religion. Of course, it can be argued that by venerating the hierosgamos, or sacred marriage, and by having priestesses serve in their churches, the Valentinians were perpetuating ancient temple prostitution, which we have been raised to think was a terrible thing. Actually, this was not the case. The Valentinian marriage rite was entirely restricted to husband and wife. Whether outward ritual symbolism, such as the kiss of Akape, or an inward meditation, such as Rosicrucian yoga, adultery was never implied. The rite is as righteous as the Jewish descent of the Shekinah to the marriage bed on Friday nights. Looking deeper into the universal psyche, we might observe that one of the greatest fears of early Christian church leaders was the personification of Christ. Christians were expected to be Christ-like without being Christ-possessed. Christian mystics like Meister Eckhart walked a thin line between sainthood and heresy. However, the Hieros Gamos, whether physically or internally enacted, has always required the assumption of God and goddess forms. And in the eyes of many religious leaders, this is blasphemy and heresy. Well, in my opinion, Christianity could use a little of this blasphemous empowerment. So, let's get it on internally, yoga style. In order to accomplish this profound union and propagation, the Son of God, or the Christos Manuel, must come down from the highest sphere, Kether, to Malkuth, where he will find the soul boat ready to fly him up the middle pillar to Yasod. From here and on up the middle pillar, the purification process set forth in Joseph and Asenath, Mary Magdalene's demons in the gospel, and Johann Gitchell's spiral begins to proceed, begins and proceeds. The goddess Tanit will remain in Yasod as as an oracle. But she concedes her elective powers to the Archangel Gabriel and to the spirits of Luna. Emmanuel flies up to Hod, where Kusor Tubalcain will remain as the creative craftsman. But he defers his elective powers to the Archangel Mikael and the spirits of Mercury. On up the Netzach, where Emmanuel finds the goddess personified as his consort and soulmate, Mary Magdalene. In the sphere of nature, the goddess Astarte will retain her realm, but empowers the archangel Haniel and the spirits of Venus with her elected powers. Emmanuel brings Lady Mary with him up to the sphere of the sun, Tipperet, where they find Baal enthroned on the wheel of time. With his brother Mote, the god of death, 
understanding of his left hand. We shall remain here in the past for those who have not yet found you, my lord and lady, Baal declares. But for your reign, we defer our elective powers to the archangel Raphael and the spirits of the sun. Emmanuel replaces Baal, who transforms into a hawk, and flies in a circle against the wheel of time. Mary Magdalene, as conqueror of death, replaces Moat, who becomes a raven and flies up to the sphere of Saturn. The interior of the Pyramid of the Sun is a palace of glass, glass floors, ceilings, staircases, and partitions. Light streams down from the great crystal at the apex of the pyramid and is reflected through the interior in a rainbow of colors. The throne is in the center of the wheel of time, a zodiacal cosmic tuning dial, which is presently set with Pisces in the east. The zodiacal dais is replicated inside our altar shrine, a miniature Phoenician temple, which can be seen in our videos. And in the shrine, Paul and Astarte are depicted in tantric-style congress. The operation has many similarities to a path working. Let us describe it in that style. And after lighting and opening the temple, perform an invoking pentagram and an invoking septagram and tipereth. Stand at the altar facing east, looking toward the open shrine, and recite the new Lord and Lady's Prayer. Our Father El and Mother Asherat, hallowed be thy names above all the Elohim. Blessed be the Lord Emmanuel and his beloved consort, the Lady Mary, thine intercessors upon the earth, granting unto us each day inspiration, comfort, nourishment, and sustenance. Help us to live in the way of love and light as we follow the laws of old. We serve the all-powerful one. We honor wisdom. We increase understanding. We govern with mercy. We guard the truth. We sing the praises of beauty. We are stewards of the earth. We preserve knowledge. We control our passions. We comfort the fallen. And thus, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell with thee in a state of grace forevermore. Amen. We sit in a straight chair inside the circle facing the altar. Serve frankincense in the burner under the altar. Sit back straight in the Egyptian position. Do 21 repetitions of the pranayama and mantra cycle. In nose for four counts, hold for four. Out through the mouth for four. Hold on the void for four. Repeat this cycle until the rhythm is established. And then go to super sound. Think the words on the inhale and vocalize the mantra on the exhale. For the remainder of the cycle, inhale with, through me flows a river of unlimited love. And exhale with, I am one with God. Continue until your head count reaches 22. With eyes closed and focused upward, declare aloud, 
I affirm that the physical world and my physical body are but fleeting shadows on the veil of eternity. I affirm that the spirit of God within me is the only reality that endures. Then begin to expand and extend your physical form with the following induction spoken aloud. I am growing very large and very tall. I am 50 feet tall, 100 feet tall, 1,000 feet tall, 10,000 feet tall. My head is far above the clouds. The vast darkness of outer space surrounds me. My soul shines among the stars. I have discarded the veil of self. I am all men and all women. I drink from the pool of remembrance. I bathe in the fountain of light. Now, look up even higher behind your closed eyelids and see a far distant point of light. While you perform the aspiration mudra and vibrate, hold the note as you send your consciousness point up toward the distant light, up and up and up toward the constellation Capricorn, the gate of the gods, through the horns of the fish goat by the Soma Sophia in the decan of Jupiter, on through the stars, through the drifting rubble of dead worlds and the dust and gas of worlds in formation, through the living emptiness of the universe toward the great light that ensouls us all, up and up and up. To the Empyrean Palace of Light, in a crystal kingdom suspended in luminous clouds with the music of the angels and the swirling and sparkling visions of wondrous colors and patterns reflected from the translucent walls, towers, and spires of the holy city. You float into the throne room. A mighty raised pyramid of glass leads up to the thrones of Father El and Mother Asherat. Their son, Emmanuel the Christos, sits on the steps between them. He is haloed in the light emanating from his parents seated behind him. As you climb up the steps toward them, the king and queen seem to merge into one great shining being, reminding you that they are the one great united universal soul. And as you approach the top, the Christos rises, and the great shining light of God from the thrones enters him. Why are you here, he asks. Well, I received an invitation to your wedding, you reply. Well, then let us attend it together, he says. And together you descend the stairs and walk together to the fountain of light. The fountain feeds the pool of light which pours out in a sparkling, shimmering lightfall down through the clouds and down into the star-sprinkled deeps of space below the Empyrean plains. Down and down you fall in a descending shower of glory toward the constellation crater. You circle the great bowl in the coil of a sea serpent. You are both drawn into its swirling vortex. You are in the great celestial centrifuge. You and the Christos become one. You emerge from the crater as Emmanuel, God and man united.
You follow Hydra along the zodiac to the constellation Cancer, the ancient gate of the gate of men, where souls return to be reborn through the gate and on down to the sphere of Saturn, following the downward path of the lightning flash from Saturn to Jupiter has said, and on to Mars, Gabura, and then the sun, Tipereth, and then Venus, Netzach, Mercury, Hod, Luna, Yasad, and on down to Earth, Malkuth, descending into the cave of the dragon. We leave the dragon, Lotan, sweeping on his mound of treasure, and make our way through a side tunnel which leads us to a water-filled grotto where we find the sole travel boat waiting. Your waxen simulacrum sits in the cockpit with a hand on the tiller. The compass points west. The lanterns at the forts shine with a golden light signifying your ultimate destination to breath. The boat is shaped like a bird with its wings folded along its sides and its prow carved in the image of a long-beaked ibis. The boat is white and gold on the starboard side and black and silver on the port side, divided equally amidships with a compass set forward of the cockpit. You built it with your own hands from plans provided by the god Kusor Tubokane in the workshop of your imagination. You step aboard and merge with your simulacrum. You cast off, and the boat drifts toward a lake beyond the vaulted entrance of the grotto. You drift out on the lake and look toward the full moon rising above the dark waters, your first stop on your flight to Tipperath. The boat spreads its wings and takes off, flying toward the glowing orb of the moon. You fly on up over the rugged peaks of the mountains of the gnomes and down over the dark oaks of the forest of fear, on toward the great sphere of Yasod atop the Colossus. The orb of the moon and the crystal sphere merge as the Ibis boat circles in for a landing at the palace of Tanit, the goddess of Luna. You step off and the boat folds its wings to wait for your return. You enter the palace, and Tanit rises from her throne to greet you. Welcome, my lord. I have been expecting you, she says. Then you know that my wedding to your sister in the sphere of nature, what, what, what it will require of you. Whatever is the will of Father El and Mother Asherah, I shall comply, she says. It is our will that you remain here as the oracle, but that you relinquish your elective powers to the Archangel Gabriel and the spirits of Luna. Tanit bows to you. It shall be so, my lord, she says. And then she turns to the west and bows to the great image of the Archangel Gabriel that rises behind the throne. You leave the Temple of Yasod, return to the boat, and fly off toward the sphere of Hod and the laboratory of Kusork. Over the desert, and on to the great mesa, which is surmounted by the Library of the Ages. You fly in to dock at a ledge below the library, and Kusor greets you as you disembark from the craft. 
I see that you prefer my boat to riding the dragon. I am honored, my lord, the master alchemist says. Now that you are to marry the goddess of nature and rule us all from the palace of the sun, what changes would you make here in the creative sphere, my lord, Pusor asks. Master craftsman, you shall remain as creative advisor and architect, but the elective powers of Odd shall be under the archangel Mikael and carried out by the spirits of Mercury. Kusor turns to salute the image of Mikael rising above the brazen dome of the library. It shall be so, he agrees. You climb back into the boat, wave goodbye to Kusor as the ibis spreads her wings and you fly off toward the Temple of Venus. You land on the island, leave the boat on the beach, and make your way through the gardens to the temple. The giant goddess sits in her pool of living water. Her huge body is translucent, with her chakras or mystic roses glowing in the rainbow colors of the tree of life. Now that you have assumed the mantle of Emmanuel, it is not necessary for you to swim up inside the goddess. You make yourself as large as she is, and you reach down, take her hands, and lift her to her feet. You stand together with her in the pool of living water. She is no longer a translucent female colossus, but quite human, dressed in a modest white linen chiton adorned with the jewels of her goddess and wearing the jeweled headdress of a priestess of the goddess. She is Mary of the Tower, Mary Magdalene, the bride of Emmanuel, the rightful queen of Israel. Whom shall we leave in charge of your lovely realm, you ask your bride, uh, your bride-to-be. Why not the Archangel Haniel, my lord, she responds. Why Haniel, you ask? Well, because it was he who lifted Enoch to heaven, even as you will lift me to Tifereth, my lord, she replies. So be it. Your elective powers are conferred to Haniel to be executed by the spirits of Venus. But the goddess herself shall remain in her temple as long as nature endures. Hand in hand, bridegroom and bride go down to the beach, climb aboard the boat. The ibis spreads its wings and flies off toward the sun, which is just rising. Over a watery horizon, heralding a golden dawn. You pass over a distant shore, heading toward the sparkle of sunlight from the great crystal atop the pyramid of Tiberath. The Ibis boat circles the pyramid and lands before the vaulted entrance. You both walk together on a path strewn with rose petals to the open doorway leading into the vast corbelled vault of the interior. Atop a dais, which is itself a smaller step pyramid within the greater structure, is the throne of the year king, the dying and resurrecting god. The, on the throne sits the golden wheel of time, a zodiacal cosmic tuning dial, which is presently set with Pisces in the east. Prince Baal sits on the throne upon the tuning dial with his black-robed and hooded brother Moat standing at his left shoulder. 
As the royal couple climb the steps toward the throne, Baal rises and says, Welcome to your home, my lord and lady. May you both live long and prosper here. As for us, we shall remain here in the past for those who have yet to find you in their hearts, Baal declares. But we defer our elective powers to the Archangel Raphael and the spirits of the air. Emmanuel embraces Baal as a long-lost brother, transforming him into a hawk. The hawk flies in a circle against the wheel of time back to the sign of Taurus, where he suddenly disappears. Mary Magdalene, as the conqueror of death, faces Moat and recites a line from her ancient ritual. My hidden veil is darkness, where the deepest secrets lie. In your pride you have forgotten, even death must surely die. And so saying, she draws her hidden black veil over the grim face of the Dark Lord, who transforms into a raven and flies away to the sphere of Saturn. Emmanuel embraces his bride. Well done, my dearest, he whispers. Call the goddess from above. She can conquer death with love, Mary replies, with another line from the ancient ritual. Emmanuel looks up at the upper levels. The interior of the Pyramid of the Sun is a palace of glass. Glass floors, ceilings, staircases, and partitions. Light streams down from the great crystal at the apex of the pyramid, illuminating and reflecting through the glazed interior in it dazzling rainbow of colors. A glycine spiral staircase leads from the throne up to the bridal chamber. High atop the spiral tower stands the sacred bridal bower, he quotes from a ritual, and takes her hand and leads her upward. The bridal chamber is surrounded by mirrors on eight sides, and a communion service is laid out on a low altar beside the bridal couch. Above the couch, the eight sides support a transparent dome that provides a view of the Empyrean plane and a choir of angels singing and playing the music of the spheres. Lord Emmanuel and Lady Mary sit on the couch and serve each other the ancient mass of seven sacraments, culminating with the holy oil and the kiss of agape. Then they disrobe and lie back on the couch together, at the beginning of actual congress, they recite the ancient ritual she invites with, with this silver cup of mystery from beyond the veil of night, come I to take the rainbow in my shrine of hidden light. He responds, with this golden gift I wed thee, with this draught I plant my spark, nurture deep the dew of sunfire in thy vast and vital dark. What shall the child of our union produce, my lord, she asks. Immortality for those who share this right with us, for thus is the soul empowered. And when the twelve labors of the soul are done, what then, my Lord? They shall dwell with us forever and ever, for the universe is endless and everlasting. And after the consummation of the rite, they dress and leave the bridal chamber, descending to the throne room, where they find the archangel Raphael sitting on the throne. 
He rises and bows to the holy couple as they leave the Pyramid of the Sun. The Ibis boat flies them off to the dark castle of Gabura. They land, they cross the bridge and enter the castle. And in the great hall, Anath, the warrior goddess, sits upon her iron throne. She rises to greet them. What are your orders for me, my lord and lady, she asks. We ask your protection for the coming child of our union, my sister, Mary replies. The task is assigned to the Archangel Camiel and the spirits of Mars, Anath answers. Even so, you shall remain here as the spiritual protector of justice. So the male side of the soul shall never again divide humanity, Emmanuel declares. Leaving the castle, the holy couple again mount their boat and fly on toward Hesed. They fly on toward the pylons that form the gate behind which the wheel of time revolves, passing through the pillars just as the age of Taurus appears in the slot. They circle down over the city of Poseidonus in Atlantis, landing in the courtyard of the temple. They get out and enter the temple, climbing the spiral staircase inside the great statue of Poseidon until they reach the god's head and the chamber of Dagon, the amphibian god from the stars. Dagon the merman rises out of his tank and greets them. Welcome, brother and sister, he says. I have already transferred my elective powers to the archangels Adkiel and the spirits of Jupiter. But I will remain here for all those who, who can return to my time. For if I need not, if I need remind you, I too am a son of great El, and his name is the name of power in this sphere of ascent. We are both very much aware of that, my brother, Emmanuel answers. We are here at this place and in this time, not to challenge you, but to seek a vision of our beginnings. Dagon gestures him toward the curtained interior surface of the statue's brow. There is the portal, and you know the ritual, my lord. You and Mary face the curtain, and together raise your hands to your foreheads palms together in the praying mudra. You close your eyes, keeping the tips of your fingers touching as you open your palms and see the portal of the third eye as the curtain opens. You see the Garden of Eden before you in vivid detail. You lower your hands slowly and step through the portal with your spirit bodies entering the garden. You both stroll through the beautiful natural setting, petting friendly animals and admiring the flowers and exotic plants. You come upon an apple tree. There is a snake coiled in its branches. This time, Emmanuel Adam picks the apple and hands it to Mary, Eve. She looks at the snake. Don't worry about him, Emmanuel says. He's a friend of mine. Oh, he always was, Mary replies and takes a bite of the apple. Adam and Eve find a grassy couch and lie down together and finish the apple, and they and they embrace. And Eve whispers, let's raise a little cane, if you're able. And there we shall draw the curtain, concluding the rite. 
I think I'm cooling under the influence of Frater <laughs> Nimlanides. <laughs> that, that last one. As a final note, most of the sources for the Rosicrucian Yoga have been cited in the article, but just before typing up this script, I came across the following in F.G. Irwin's 1879 Book of Magic. The binary two is the number of salvation and, and of peace. Jesus Christ is represented by two, and thus the Father and the Son are one. There are two divisions, light and darkness. There are two testaments. There are two qualities, good and evil, two primitive colors, white and black. And there are two messiahs, Adama and Eva. There were three great prophets, Adam, Enoch, and Jesus. We should not be surprised that Irwin credited this wisdom to the Rosicrucians. And that concludes our chapter in the forthcoming book on Rosicrucian yoga. And uh, return with us next week, and uh, and, and we'll uh, and we'll be delving further into these mysteries. And until then, good magic.